0: So it's here's, not heresy, it's come no, on No, it's learn. Harris' Son. Wow! They gave us nothing but tradition and no argument. All they did was get on this stage, yell real loud, and set a straw man on fire. Okay, now, uh, this is... I, I... I was... not impressed.
1: <laughs> uh, respectfully, that sounds like a little bit of a dodge. I'm
0: claiming victory.
1: Where I come from, extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence. Why is this so difficult Welcome to Trinity Radio. I'm Braxton Hunter and along with me is... Jonathan Pritchett. And today we're talking about slavery and rape in the Bible. No way to make that intro whimsical. No. (laughs) This is the first word. Intuitions. People today covet their mirrors. Their Bibles are mirrors. Their churches are mirrors. Their God is a fantastic mirror. They do not see through glasses darkly. The modern man sees clearest of all but what he sees is a clear reflection of himself. How can I best express this problem of mirrors? If one could imagine that rather than the words on paper, the words of scripture were printed onto mirrors, one might get a sense of what I'm driving at. In this way, standing behind the written words is a reflection of the reader himself, complete with his own presuppositions, his own grid, his own culture, his own relationships, his own experiences, and the secularism of this age, which has saturated the whole monstrosity. My imagery isn't even all that far off from the concrete physical reality. Now get this, most people carry around these small metal devices onto which is affixed a sheet of glass. Through it they view their world. The reflective glass allows them to see images from their pasts, love letters electronically sent, pornographic encounters, and news items from an anti-Christian land. If they ever do read the Word of God, they read it through the same object used to view all earthly things in the galaxies beyond. When one of them looks on the holy text as it appears in the glass, standing behind the words is a reflection of his own image. What a grand invention. What a marvelous feat. How fitting it is to serve as both a literal and poetic example of the modern abuse of intuition. To see this, we'll need to trade the mirror for a window, and I'll humbly make an attempt at its washing until it's transparently clear. Intuition is a powerful device. We are prepackaged with it from birth. It must have come in with all the amniotic fluids or some such thing. Maybe not. It could be a feature of the immaterial soul. In any case, it's a gift from the Father. What it allows is the strong sense of a thing. It serves as a sort of internal evidence, this awareness of what is surely true. Yet, like most valuable tools, it gets distorted, bent, twisted, or in some other way, mangled. During the course of life, and it can happen quite early, our experiences stress the intuition, as does our education, culture, and relationships. And also, like other tools, it needs to be recalibrated, adjusted, tweaked, or, well, you get the idea. One would be right to ask how such a project could be accomplished. We need what we might call an intuition mold. Is there such a thing? Indeed, the Word of God.
0: And now, today's topic. And welcome back to the main show. Yeah, t- today's topic is not uh, an uplifting one. Uh, it's dealing with some difficult passages in Scripture. Uh, these are issues that sometimes come out in debates. Uh, when, when you're talking to skeptics, it's, it's along the same lines of the genocide in Canaan and those types of things that are common objections to the faith. Um, well your Bible is so horrible, your God's not worthy of worship, that sort of thing. So we want to tackle those kinds of issues uh, and... Plus, once you have those recorded, when someone asks, you can say, oh, go watch that episode. Yeah, you know,
1: it's um, Dan Barker was famous, uh, famously, you know, Richard Dawkins made the statement about the God of the Old Testament is the most uh, horrible villain in all of fiction or whatever, and he lists off all these things, and some Mm -hmm. of them have to do with these categories. And so he asked, if I understand the story correctly, Dan Barker um, to write a book, taking each of those elements and writing a chapter on it and he did that, and ever since, Dan Barker has done that. In fact, I haven't seen the debate yet, but just yesterday, Nick Peters, um, a Christian apologist, had a debate with Dan Barker, and my understanding is, even though the debate question was, does God exist, not anything specific about the Christian God, but does God exist? Dan Barker did his typical run through the uh, Old Testament yeah. stuff. So this comes up all the time, and it, it, atheists everywhere. In fact, it's kind of interesting because, and I, you know, if I was an atheist trying to make my case, this would be some fertile soil, right? This would be yeah. some stuff to well, throw Well, I right. mean,
0: it's a, uh, it, it's it, it triggers some emotions, you know, and you have yeah. an emotional reaction to it. Um, more so than it's—it's it's not so much an intellectual uh, problem, you know, uh, as much as it, it triggers people's emotions and gets them, you know. Yeah, I don't—I don't approve of those things, you know. Well, yeah, but your Bible does, you know. Right. As if that's actually what those texts are implying.
1: Yeah. So, so we'll get into that, but you know. Um, one thing that I've noticed, like I've been listening recently to various internet, all of a sudden we're experiencing, you know, uh, as it's kind of interesting, as the 2000s and the early part of the teens or whatever we call this decade has experienced uh, a rise in apologetic resources on offer and atheistic resources on right. offer. Now, what we're seeing is all of these debate YouTube sites and podcasts. Where uh, YouTube channels and podcasts, where people are debating. There's one that a listener to this show, I think, uh, runs called Modern Day Debates. They have a lot of debates on there. There's a bunch of atheists. There's a guy named Pine Creek. There's all, all these shows, and there's a whole world, a subculture of atheists and apologists who argue in there. It's like it's like uh, underground rap battles or something right. going <laughs> on. You know, and so uh, because of that, you hear. In, I end up hearing certain party lines. Now, Christians have theirs for sure, Yeah, but these atheists points, have these yeah. talking points too, and they it's phrase like it exactly the same yeah. thing in the yeah. same way. And this is always one of them, so it's an important thing to talk about. I do want to say at the beginning of this show that just like when we talk about arguments from evil that atheists might bring about suffering and pain in the world, the fact is this is certainly an, a question, an issue, a topic that should give Christians pause. It should not be something that we brush off as trivial or something like that. Um, We should take it seriously because if the atheists were right in what they're saying about this, it would look really bad. It wouldn't mean that Christianity was false, but it would look really bad and may change our understanding of the character of God. And so this is a serious, serious issue. And we need to remember, too, that when you broach a a topic like slavery— there are people in our culture who are currently slaves, uh, yeah. who you know, who are in the sex trade or whatever. There are people who have great grandparents who were slaves, and so th- this is a big topic that we need to have a certain amount of respect when we enter it. Now that doesn't mean that we take that we treat with respect every ridiculous thing said by our opponents on this right. issue. So that's my well, preamble and, and well, uh, my, I want to add disclaimer. To your, yeah,
0: add to the preamble though that uh, two things to keep in mind. Number one, um, we're talking about narratives in Scripture for the most part. And in these narratives, um, Scripture is a hist- uh, re- records documents from antiquity where they didn't think, like, have the same sensibilities that we have. You know, it's actually uh, interesting that in, in a lot of majority world countries, Christians there don't have the same issues with these kinds of texts, or even non-Christians both, don't have the same visceral reaction to them as others do. The problem of evil, interestingly enough, is not a major deal to them too, because their whole lives are surrounded with pain and suffering and death all the time and that kind of thing. So uh, these narratives record events from history, And history, you know, uh, is messy. And and it's not always, uh, we can't always expect ancient peoples to behave and have the same sensibilities in the way that they communicate ideas the same way that we do. And that sort of dimension also gets lost in those kinds of apologetic arguments that they're not really dealing seriously with with Scripture in its own context or just trying to appeal to modern sensibilities and saying... Uh, you know this is in the bible and this is bad therefore the bible's bad in a very flippant simplistic way as if right. as if god is in heaven saying yeah i like this yeah oftentimes which, which is if you understand the story of scripture of god redeeming the world god does not like most of it so yeah
1: yeah even when he brings judgment it's not that he likes this right it's not that this is good um yeah oftentimes people make a beeline to these texts that and then rip them out of their context and right. yes the context matters and and then say, look, this is what your Bible. This is what all the Bible is like. No, it's not what all the Bible is like. Uh, the the Bible says a lot of things, and you need to look at that one in its cultural setting. Now, before we go any further, let me do say as we as we begin. Also, in a sort of preamble, is we, you know, this show has. We always say this at the end, but this show has been able to accomplish a lot of things over the past three years. And you can be a part of that. And honestly, this is not just—I know you think, "Oh yeah, this is a podcast I listen to." People are all the time giving to that. Yes, there are some people that give to this, but not not a whole lot. And yeah. we've got things that we want to accomplish. And um, it, you know, recently I had a debate. Pritchett had a debate. We've. Um, We've been able to travel and speak in various places. We have big things coming up. We have book projects. We we want to get the equipment continually better. Right now, we're trying to figure out how to do live streaming so we can have interviews and have some of you on our show. So if if you're willing to help us out with that, that would really... Um, that would really be good. You can do that if you're listening by audio by going to Trinity Radio. Or, I always do this. Patreon.com slash Trinity Radio. Yeah. Patreon.com slash Trinity Radio. You if you're watching, you can click up here, and I see that some of our OCD listeners are not going to like that. The camera is not exactly centered. Um, so anyway, if you'd be willing to do that and keep <laughs> no, our ca- got, they, they can yeah. keep our camera centered. If we, <laughs> There's probably equipment for that we could buy. <laughs> right. you know, so so, uh, so you know, please be willing to consider that. That that would be really really helpful. All right, so uh, here's what the atheists say. Let's just let's just put it out there. Okay, okay. this is the most common. Which
0: these, issues are we taking first? Uh,
1: slavery. Okay. Okay. Well, let me do the broad thing because we're going to talk about slavery and rape. Uh, I'm not sure if I've put that in the title or not, but we're going to talk about slavery and rape. You have to be really careful these days because YouTube is shutting channels down based on types of content, right. and so we're trying to be careful. So, um, so, so we're going to talk about these issues. We're not going to talk about genocide. We did a show on that last two seasons ago. Yeah. Um, it's in the Wima series. Um, it's called. I don't have it up here, but uh, but it's in the Wima series. Go check out that playlist. But we're going to talk about these issues. Here's what. Oh, we responded will say. to
0: the creepy long-haired guy. Yeah, but I can't mm-hmm. remember
1: the name. Is yeah. God actually the devil, maybe, or something, something like that? Like, yeah. Okay, so so here's, so here's so here's, what they say. Say, the Bible advocates for slavery. The Bible advocates for rape. Okay, false, but we'll get there. Right. That's, that's what they say. Another thing they say is, um, if you try to talk about this, they'll say, the Bible says you can beat your slave, uh, so just as long as you, you're allowed to beat your slave, as long as you don't kill him and he can get up in a day or two, in a couple of days. Right? Okay, that's one thing. Uh, another thing that they'll say is um, uh, you, you treat the, the uh, slaves that you buy from other surrounding nations differently than you do Hebrew slaves, which is not entirely false. But we'll get It's not that these things have elements of truth, they sit in a bed of truth yeah. and are a disgusting mud pie. Okay? Well, that's yeah, and, and it's,
0: well, my, my thing is this, okay, yeah, it, that sounds bad, kind of like if your kids are disobedient, you stone them to death, okay? Mm-hmm. If you commit adultery, you stone, you know, but interestingly, if you if you look at the King David, for example, and maybe people are going to say, well, he's the king, so he gets an exception or whatever. Adulterer was never stoned. Kids were horrible, <laughs> you know, some of them. Uh they weren't, I mean, they died but weren't stoned, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. Um, these were the ways that the laws were expressed, but have you found anywhere in scripture where kids are being lined up for being disobedient and right. actually had their uh, stoning or whatever? No.
1: Right. Uh, Often what we have is right. what's considered case law. You have, the, it, it's like people think whatever is written down here is what will happen in every case. No, no, right. no. These are the parameters that then the judges. Can operate within. Right. You know? Um, So, but anyway, the famous thing. Yeah,
0: but that's important. That's important. What are we talking about here? It's, you know, case law. If this, then this is how you meet that out. And if they go beyond that. uh, But, you know, you think about the totality of scripture, it's not like we have all of these records that, 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 uh, all these kids were stoned for disobeying their parents or anything. What you do have, actually, in the Bible is God punishing parents for pitching their kids into the fire. And, right, kinds, right. you know, God kidding. I didn't even think of this. You know, God's beside himself <laughs> <Right>. in rage <laughs> over does. this. So, so yeah. it's very—you it, cannot just be so flippant with ancient documents and so— you know, uh, selective without trying to consider the whole. And that's going to be very important when we when we talk about these issues, especially the mm-hmm. slavery one. Because yeah,
1: and like on the back of what you just said, and partly making your point, I think, is some of these laws are not saying, like, we'll get into it, but take the issue of beating a slave, quote-unquote. Um, the, the, the point is not you're allowed to beat your slave. This is an if-then situation. Yeah, if if do, this happens, here is the consequences.
0: Yeah, right? if you, yeah, <laughs> if you beat your slave and you go too far, you are going to pay for it, mm-hmm. kind of thing. You know, it's it's not. Yeah.
1: Now let me let me say yeah. this too. As we start here, we keep saying as we start, we're twelve <laughs> minutes in. But <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: well,
1: let me let me just say this though. When I first began to study this subject, I'll admit I was a little bit, you know, I I didn't think we had a really good answer. You know, yeah. like I I, I thought. This is a thing that because I have really good evidence to believe that Christianity in general is true, like Christianity is true, yeah. then this is a system dependent thing you know this is this is part of it that God gave this law to Moses and all that whole thing. but I did I thought but it sure does it's tough yeah. you know now as I go back and as and now as I understand the truth of the matter yeah, I didn't just find. A decent answer that I could give someone on a in a debate, right? Or something. It's not. It's not. I found it, yeah. the answer, and it is convincing to me.
0: Yeah, because what what you're put off by the subject matter, you know, and then you're trying to deal with it. And you're like, you know, the, the the initial thing that I think all apologists have is how do I spin this, you know? right? That's Which right. is a terrible way to approach not, it. Yeah, but it's a natural way for an apologist to like is like, well, I mean, I know I'm not under the old covenant, and that doesn't apply, but it's not the commonwealth of Israel, blah, 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 blah. There's but a trend sort of like, upward, blah, yeah, blah, blah. Yeah, but, but it's like, how do I spin this? Right, and, and of and, course, the
1: atheist wants to spin too, yes. so what you've got is twirling dervishes going. Yeah,
0: exactly, <laughs> and you got to avoid all that and, and sit down and, and put your thinking cap on and yeah. put your grown-up hat on, really, Yeah. And, and try to understand ancient texts in their context and... You know, not commit what C.S. Lewis would call chronological snobbery Mm -hmm. in that sense, just because their sensibilities and the way that they lay things out is not as dainty as you might like in a lifetime christmas movie.
1: Yeah. You know,
0: sorry. That's And and
1: here's the thing, here's how we'll know what we have some decent and wonderful people yeah. from a human perspective, right, who are YouTube atheists now that have stuck on to our channel yeah. and follow with us. And there's also some people that are not so nice. Here's how we're going to find out whether they actually watch the video or not. What the last thing that I'm going to say that all these atheists say yeah. is it doesn't matter what you want to say to try to dress this up. It's owning people as property, right? That's the problem. And uh, we're going to get into that, but, but we're going to respond to that. So if I see someone in the YouTube comment saying, look, no matter what you guys say, it's owning people as property, without mentioning that we're doing this right now, yeah. we'll know. We'll, we'll know right. for sure. All right, so, um, so all right. S- the, the words that we have for slavery— in the Old Testament, in the Hebrew, are abed and "ama." Abed for a male slave, "ama" for a female slave. Yeah. Now, these words can go two ways. These words can mean a servant. Mm-hmm. They're used elsewhere in Scripture just for someone who's clearly not a slave and is a servant. Like, mm-hmm. it's perfectly fine. On the other hand, these words are used for, like, slavery, like Egyptian slavery. So what that means is, one of the big problems we have when we come to the text is, because of the translations that we have, not all of them, but many of them, and the most popular ones, they translate these words slave in most cases. Which is fair. It's within the
0: possible range. But I think the biggest problem for American and some Western audiences is the way that slavery will conjure up images of chattel slavery in the antebellum South, uh, slavery, will sex trade, and, and things like that, and so it's a, it's a, the associations we initially make with the word, as opposed to the associations the original audience made with the word, which is what I think you're trying to get at. Yeah, um, because that that of course is context dependent too, because uh, there was chattel slavery in the Bible. Um, the, the Hebrew people were chattel slaves in Egypt, for yeah. example. Yeah. So. But I, then again, also Hebrew doesn't really have uh, as wide of a vocabulary as a language like Greek, for example, or English. So you have you have these handful of words that that you don't always have a lot of substitutes for. You, you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, we could we can in English we could say slave, we could say bond servant, we could say servant, we could say you know.
1: Right, and so basically, what you want to look at this word, it's it, it's and This is not anybody trying to be slippery. This is the way it is. Sometimes it means slave. Sometimes it means just like servant. If you really want a good way to understand it, it's like worker. And then you got to determine based on the context what kind of worker, a right. servant or a slave, right? right? That's why you have... Uh, God saying to Israel, like, remember, you were slaves in Egypt. Yeah. So, you know, don't treat people like that. Right. So you got to look at the context and say, okay, that's clearly slavery. And so what we have here in the Mosaic Law is you got to make a judgment call how that word should be translated. And unfortunately, oftentimes, well, I mean, translators have to do that when they're translating the Bible. That's why, we, fortunately, right. we have teams of translators from various doctrinal perspectives. Yeah. But they don't always get it right. And some of these translations do have this. Uh, they just Some of them just leave it untranslated, right? Yeah. But here's the thing. So I'm arguing that we didn't have slavery in Israel. We had servanthood in Israel. I know, I know, I know. You folks who are skeptical of the Christian position, I realize that sounds like somebody trying to do some kind of gymnastics. Sorry, this is this is the way it is, and I'm going to argue that. So, servanthood. Not. It's not
0: an argument. It's we're going to educate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is not a debate. Right, by real grown-up scholars. Well,
1: I, if we mean by argument a reasoned explanation of why we what you should believe, right? Yeah, you know, I am going to give that. Okay, yeah. But yeah, in that sense. But but <laughs> but it's not. I'm not arguing with you about it. Right. So, um, servanthood, not slavery, in Israel was optionally entered. Yeah. It was optionally entered. Why was it optionally entered? As a mercy. To the impoverished citizens, and in the words of Old Testament scholar Paul Copan, who wrote the book "Is God a Moral Monster," which everyone should read, you and I agree that there are places in that book where he maybe tries to whitewash things a little too much, uh, yeah. tries to you know tries to dress it up for the you know uh, air conditioned twenty first century Lifeway bookstore crowd. Right. But the fact is, he's still an incredible Old Testament scholar who gets a lot right. Yeah. Right. And so, in his words, quote. Contrary to the critics, this servanthood wasn't much different experientially from paid employment in a cash economy like ours.
0: Lord knows that.
1: Now let that set in for a second, because I know, I know, I can feel your rage across the internet. Yeah, I work for Braxton. <laughs> yeah, yes, <you> <laughs> I, I know what. Yeah, you're, uh, you're, you're, definitely. I can identify with, yeah, <laughs> with. Uh, and I've never knocked his tooth out, so I don't have to let him yeah. go. But I have beat him. <laughs> <laughs> but, but so here's, so here's the thing. You're already thinking, some of you. Yeah, but what about where it says this, and what about where it says that? Just hold up, okay? Yeah. Because, because what we're, what what we're presenting here is that, okay, God's plan was that nobody would ever be in poverty in Israel
0: right
1: What ended up happening was because of things that the country did that they shouldn't be doing and decisions made and greed and all these kind of things, you end up with poverty and right. you in, and here and he even there's even uh, categories in the law to try and make sure that even if you're in poverty there are ways for you not to have to go into this relationship. for instance when someone's harvesting uh, and they drop stuff behind them what are they not supposed to do? Don't pick the stuff up, so yeah. that people could come and glean
0: right. from that, and we and see that glean the, from the edges as well. Yeah,
1: yeah, and we see that in the book of Ruth. You know, they, they, leave it for the poor people to come along, and, and they didn't want you to. If you borrow money from a fellow Israelite, you're not to be charged interest. Right. In fact, Trinity College of the Bible and Theological Seminary, even though that's contextually different, yeah. that's how we operate for that yeah. same reason. But the thing about it is, um. There was everything in place to try and make sure you didn't go into this relationship. If you went into this relationship—now, I understand we're still on Israelites right now. That was voluntary. You sold yourself into this servanthood
0: situation. In the same way that I sell myself for a paycheck at Trinity College of the Bible and Theological Seminary. Right. and and His analogy is not wrong in this sense. Right. You know— uh, and of course, whether you were the master or the slave in, in ancient Israel, unless you were uber wealthy, you were both doing. I mean, most of it is aggregate uh, agriculture and agrarian labor. Right. And even if you were the servant, even the the wives and kids and everyone else, you were there to just help, because most people were not wealthy in ancient Israel. Like That's where right. they could, where they, if they had uh, a bond servant they could sit all day and you know read torah or whatever you know it's like everyone had to work you know yeah, as far yeah, as work yeah, goes yeah. and so it would be like you're out tilling ground and i'm your bond servant and i'm tilling the ground right next to you for a lot of these people now mm-hmm. sure you have the wealthy wealthy yeah yeah the wealthier class who don't have to get out there and work but mm-hmm. that wasn't most people and even and this was a reg, regulation for everyone. So if you were I mean it's an astro- anachronistic to talk about classes like middle class or class mm-hmm. whatever. But if you were like middle class, I mean mm-hmm. if I I would have to still work, but I but but some rich guys is not going to take care of you. So I will in this arrangement. Right. And so come out to the field with me, buddy, and I'll give you a place to live and I'll put food yeah, in your Yeah, the of you, the difference
1: you know. is the only difference here is Instead of you getting paid financially, yeah. well, you're and, and sometimes that did happen. Yeah. But you're getting you're getting taken care of. Right. You're getting you don't have to worry about where your meal's going to come from. You don't have to go out there and glean like you used to. You're not having to worry about your medical state of affairs because uh, they're going to have to take care of all that stuff for you. And here's the great thing: after six years, you're to
0: be released, and so regardless of where you're at on any sort of debt that you incurred right. by entering into the arrangement. That's right. Yeah. So, now uh,
1: with those that you now let that sink in for those that are unfamiliar with this. After 6 years, you're to be released. Oh, this is another thing we hear from the atheist crowd is, "Yeah, but the law then tells you how to trick uh your 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 slaves into being your lifetime slaves." No. What the law allows for is that if that servant who came into your uh, your household voluntarily as a servant if they get married while they're there if you if you uh, if if you allow for them to get married they have a a wife now uh, or a husband then you then th- and say their time gets up before the spouse does yeah. and they're out now if they want to come back in because they, and the Bible says, because they love their master, right? Yeah. And yeah, because they want to be with their their wife or whatever, then they can become a bond servant, as you mentioned, which means that there would be this ceremony. You go to the door of the tabernacle and you put this thing through your ear and all of a sudden now you're a servant of this master for life. There was nothing about tricking. That is reading that into the text. There's nothing about tricking. And here's the thing. This guy has options. That's still voluntary. If he gets out and his wife's still in there, then, then, first of all, he could still be with her. He can still interact with her in this society, in this culture. They can still both take part in Israelite festivities and things like that. It's sure. it's not like you're imagining some dark, dank dungeon or something,
0: right? right. So, and then he's which got is an actually the the there was not really the same kind of penal system in ancient Israel, which is why a lot of. The punishments that we think are harsh existed in the first place because they weren't jailers, you know. That's right. And so the the penal system had developed to what we are. So, no, they weren't keeping them in in dark dungeons or jail cells or, you know, locked up in chains or anything. That's right. That's all imported imagery from, uh, you know, modern sensitivities in, in our uh, connections with with slavery as Westerners and as Americans in particular. Yeah. Sure. yeah,
1: So so they so this guy's got options. He can he if he loves his master and he thinks yeah. this is actually probably a good I- I- situation for me and my wife and my kids. I think we ought to stay in this guy's household. I'm going to go back in and I'm going to become a bond servant. That's an option, and that may be a good option. Now, do not try and liken that to anything like early American slavery because it's just not the same. This is the problem. Whenever you watch a debate about this where this comes up, there is a little bit of poisoning the well here because yeah. they try to act like just because you're talking about something that a lot of people call slavery, you automatically are talking about something evil and you lose. And you we're do, not talking yeah. about slavery. We're talking about servanthood. Yeah. So he, another option he has is he could decide, I'm going to not go back in. I'm going to still see my wife and kids and stuff, but I'm not going to go back in. I'm going to earn money now to, to, to pay off her, uh, her contract. And get her out. Yeah, you know there. There's various ways to do this, which brings up another point. Um, and I'm sorry if I'm sucking the air out of the room, but uh, the, the bring up is another point, you, you do see the language. So you hear people say, "Well, it's owning another person that's the problem, right?" I don't think the Bible's talking about owning another person. You know, I know people are thinking, "Well, it says you buy." A slave you own a person they're your property forever okay first of all sometimes the word property is used it's a bad translation it just means money and it has to do in the investment that's being made but what we see here is contract language okay yeah buying selling I realized trust me I realize for certain You're talking use, about human sounds though, like actually. we're spinning this sounds like we're not sometimes you were just wrong. That's all there's. Yeah. But here, here's what's happening. So this is contract language. So let's imagine, Pritchett, that you are on you're in Europe and and you really want to continue our podcast and this is this is this is early America, right? Don't worry about it. We've got a podcast and you want to continue this podcast, but I'm in America now. Yeah. Trinity Radio is going to die, which I guess we just blow through trumpets to the surrounding communities. <laughs> but it's going to die and you want to come be with me. So what do you do? You're in, you're in Europe. I'm over here. You will, as a free man, sell yourself, and that is the language used of yeah. contract. You will sell yourself to someone who's going to have a ship or be on a ship to be his servant and you, to, to be a part of his money, to be a part of his property. You're his investment. And you're going to, for a series of years, let's say six years, you're going to do this so that even after you get to the Americas, you're still going to have to continue to, uh, to, to work for him for a while. But then when you pay that off, you're, you're free now after these six years, and you go on. And, and so did you sell yourself? Yes. Did he buy you? Yes. In fact, that is the contract language used. Right. But then you, you go free. This is just the language of contract. But what we have often when people read this, and I get it. I understand. A lot of Christians read it, unfortunately, this way as they say, I don't care what the context is fact, in a debate with John Ferrer and Matt Dillahunty from last December, Matt says, yeah, I don't care what the context is. When you don't care what the context is, you and you just say, my Bible, my King James Bible, this is oftentimes you remain a fundamentalist even after you <laughs> leave the faith. Right. My Bible says buy, sell property, you know, slave. Yeah. So that's what it is. With no appreciation for the context no appreciation for the historical societal setting or what these words meant. And this was the language of contract.
0: Well, in Matt Delahunty's case, of course, he sold himself to the Texas General Baptists right. for a couple hours to talk to you. Right. Yeah. Uh, now, just because you use different language for that, here's a stipend or an honorarium or, you know, uh, your your contractual whatever. Okay, So so you use different language. You know what it amounts to? Same thing.
1: Yeah, because if you were purchasing something in ages past, they didn't have all of the detailed contractual language that we have now. It was you buy, you sell, this is your property. That's just the way they spoke. Now, you can balk at that, but I I don't know. I I mean, that's the way it is. That's just the way it is. So, all right. um, Okay. So, So keep that in mind. Let them go after every six years they have options, this is voluntarily entered into, right? and according to Exodus 21, 16, kidnapping was punishable by death in ancient Israel. Now, I want you to think about this. I don't think a lot of people have thought, even the people that talk about this, like Christian apologists, I don't think a lot of them have thought about this aspect of it. With what we already know about these laws, no. if you applied the Mosaic law to early American slavery or literally every version of real slavery I can think of in the history of the world, if you apply the Mosaic Law, what happens? The slavers would get killed. <laughs> it's, yeah. Because
0: they kidnap people and right. take them away from their lands, and then they go sell them on the block. Right. Uh, they would all be put to death.
1: Yeah. Slavery would disappear. Yeah. Now think about that, because normally the way this is played is, well, it was a better law than what was in other cultures at the time. No. no, 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 no. If you instantiated this law anywhere in the history of the world, slavery goes away. Yeah. And you would be left with servanthood, like yeah. Israelite servanthood.
0: Or working at Trinity.
1: <laughs> or working at Tr- <laughs> But now think, there are a couple of modern day uh, comparisons where uh, this is interesting, because think about it. Are you still paying off student debt? Yeah. Do you, I don't, I'm don't. i not going to ask you how many tens of thousands of dollars you still have, Too many. but you're in your forties yeah. now and you're still paying for junk that happened over a decade or decades ago. Yeah. Okay. Now think about it. Wouldn't it be nice if you went to work for that school or something, let's say, you know, Pulaski Technical College or whatever <laughs> it is, you went to work for them for six years. And uh, after that, you don't have any more student debt.
0: Yeah, actually, I have to work for Trinity because Trinity's a nonprofit. I have to if I work here yeah. for so many years, um, uh, my student loans get forgiven. Oh, really? Right? Yeah. Well, that's pretty cool. So you know, unless you're like, so you are kind of doing it right now. Yeah,
1: yeah. So so the, 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 so there are interesting things that need to be said about this. Now I'm Until not. You, I, I, hopefully, you don't fire me. <laughs> but well, let's see how this podcast goes. So um, the <laughs> the law was concerned. That, um, in, that these servants were to be treated as a man, quote, this is Leviticus twenty-five fifty-three. as, quote, a man, quote, hired from year to year and were not to be, quote, ruled over ruthlessly. So if you think that we're whitewashing this thing by saying, no, 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 look, it's really like, as Paul Copan says, uh, not much different experientially from paid employment in a cash economy like ours, because the Bible says that. Because you know. the Bible says they're to be treated as a man hired from year to year, and not to be ruled over ruthlessly. Does that sound like slavery? No. Forget all of this stuff that you ha- thought you knew about this. Is that slavery? No, it is not. Right. It's just not. It's servanthood. Now let's get to the really controversial controversial stuff. The comments about beating a servant in Exodus twenty-one twenty. Everybody goes to Exodus twenty one twenty. Well, let's just. I'm going to read it. Talk about something while I pull
0: okay. it. Okay. Well, uh, yeah, it's difficult stuff. This passage about beating slaves or whatever, or the the um, the the. What about conquered people? You know, there, there are some issues here that we do need to untangle to get specific for the critic. Good job. But I, I also want to say, <laughs> you know, you and I have talked about this before, and so. Um, you you have said you know. So you screw up royally. Let's say I I don't know what I do. I screw up royally somehow. Mm-hmm. I, I I I say I have a public gaffe that causes people to exit Trinity whatever. Oh no. we can't go there. He he says you know he didn't believe in whatever. Yeah okay. people are taking bets on when that public gaffe is going <laughs> <Right>? to happen. <laughs> yeah and, and so. You know, it's like, okay, here's the thing. I can fire you or I can we can go to the stairwell and I can punch you in the stomach a few times and then you can keep your job. <laughs> what would you rather do? You're, what would you do? Oh, I mean, because I don't think I'd be hurt by it. <laughs> I was like no, punch okay. me in the <laughs> but, but You're probably right. <laughs> but, I, but yeah, but but I but 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 the point was if if there was a scenario where the worst
1: reading of this. Yeah,
0: if that happened, well,
1: be careful. You may be about to make that gaff right now. <laughs>
0: yeah. No, I'm saying, if, what would you do? You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, if, if that kind of situation arose where you did something, you know, there's no way to get money out of you because you don't have any or whatever. Um, If you ran away, you're not going to be getting anything good. Yeah, you're saying corporal punishment is sometimes
1: not the end of the world. Right. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Yeah, and I agree, and we're going to get to that specifically when we're talking about POWs who come into Israelite. But I'm going to argue, I'm going to one-up here. I'm going to argue that that's not even what we're dealing with here.
0: Because I think
1: you make a valid point for sure, and I've argued that way, and Steve Gregg agrees with you. Yeah, and and but but
0: I, but I mean, if we're taking the worst possible scenario, right? But but yeah. again, people take this case law and they think this happens every hour. You know, someone in Israel is beating the slave. Beat. Yeah, beating the yeah. slave. Only so, but but that's that's not reality. Okay, so Exodus twenty one twenty, if a man strikes his
1: male or female slave, we should say servant, with a rod and he dies at his hand, he shall be punished if however he survives a day or two no vengeance shall be taken for he is his says property it should say money literally go get a lexicon just look i yeah. don't take my word for it there's a great website studylight.org go there type in exodus 2120 look click the click the little lexicon thing yeah see if i'm right that property should be money. And what's being said here... Okay, so let's... so let's First, it sounds bad, right, to people that want to be critical. It sounds bad because it sounds like it's saying what the atheists say, which is, look, the Bible says you can beat your slave That's not just what so it long said. as you
0: don't kill him. That's not what it said at all. That's not what it says. In fact... In fact, this is, this is a thing to rein in masters. Mm-hmm. If you do this this happens this will happen
1: to you. what can it be but a but intended whether you agree with what it says it's intended as a protection for the servants right and in fact if you still think it's in any way allowing for any kind of beating here do you think that Israelites do you think that the Mosaic law was okay with two Israelites maybe it's a not as wealthy Israelite and a really wealthy dude maybe it's two wealthy dudes but in any case these are not servants. Yeah. Do you think it would be okay for one of them to beat up the other one, as long as they don't die in a couple of days? Would that be okay?
0: Uh, no, I, I think most of us know it wouldn't. They're the they're saying because the law exists, it gives permission. We have laws against murder in this country that is not permission to go kill somebody because we have a law against it. Mm-hmm. That's the kind of dumb thinking that's involved here. Is right. because there's a law, that's permission to break it. Right. No. Right. And and here's the thing
1: that I, that I want to drive home, because nobody points this out, and it drives me crazy. If you understand that the Mosaic Law would not be okay with one citizen just assaulting another citizen so long as that citizen doesn't die in a couple of days, if you understand that talking about free servants, I mean free non-servants, just two dudes in Israel,
0: yeah.
1: well, just go back literally a couple of verses from... To verse 18 of this same chapter. Because here we're not talking about servants. And guess what it says? If men have a quarrel and one strikes the other with a stone or with his fist, and he does not die but remains in bed, if he gets up and walks around outside on his staff, then he who struck him shall go unpunished. He shall only pay for his loss of time and shall take care of him until he is completely healed." Then we get to the slave. Uh,
0: that's, that's, slave, we, we part. call that restitution. That, yeah, that's
1: just normal dudes who aren't servants, yeah, right?
0: You'd have to pay restitution now, and if, like, if you beat me, okay, and I don't die, well, you're gonna owe me something. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean I go beat you back because what the, what it says there is you need to compensate him. You take, you, time, you you take care of his medical affairs. Right, and, and the time that he lost right. his... Right, but, but I want
1: you to get that this thing about two normal Israelite guys who are not servants yeah. is almost the exact same. Now listen to the to the one about, about servants. It's the very next verse. If a man strikes his male or female slave with a rod and he dies his hand, he shall be punished. If however he survives a day or two, no vengeance shall be taken for he is his property. Now... This is the same. This is virtually the same thing to be done with a servant as is to be done between two Israelites who are not servants. Except
0: the lack of compensation,
1: and the only reason for that, the only reason you don't have to pay the servant something extra, is that what you're supposed to do with the with the normal Israelite who's not a servant, is pay his medical bills basically and his time, right? The Israelite, uh, the, already, the servant, you're already required to take care right. of his medical bills, and he's already working off a of debt for you. That's why it says because that's his your money, not property, money. Yeah. The point is, you hurt yourself with what you just did. Right. You're already losing money out of this, and you have to take care of him. It is the same. It is the same for two free Israelites. So if you understand that it would not be the case that two—if that you understand that between two— Free Israelites, to use your terminology, that it's not okay to punch the other one, and the point is that if you do end up doing that, there's consequences. Great, then you understand that what's going on in verses in the following verses, verses 20 through 22 about servants is the same thing. It's not okay to do this. Right. In fact, it goes on to say, if you so much as knock a tooth out, then you got to let them go free. Yeah. Now, now, that's not saying it's okay to do everything else except knock a tooth out. <laughs> it's not saying it's okay to take pliers and pull, break their fingers off. So as so long as you don't knock the tooth out, that's not, that's not the right. point. The point is, if you do even that little bit, which you can never be sure you're not going to do if you do abuse them, so don't abuse them. It's just saying if you do beat up a man, there's consequences. If you beat your servant, you you, you employers don't think that because your servant is a servant, there's any difference. That's what's going on here. Oh, it drives me crazy. Yeah. Let me take the worst possible way I could imagine what this might be that I need it to be for my position. It, 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 I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm going to pull myself together. (laughs) I've already been receiving, uh, actually, praise that I've sounded more like Pritchett Prime. (laughs) Well, no, I mean,
0: but this is, this is basic reading comprehension that's, this is a failure on a basic level to read, you know, and to to apply uh, thought. So... Yeah, all right, but, but what about the POWs then? No, oh, by the way. Wait, no, 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 before we get to
1: the POW, and hold that thought. Okay. Because still in this passage of Exodus twenty-one twenty, I think it's 20, it might be the next verse. When it says that if the servant dies, you're to be punished. The word punished is the Hebrew word nakam. And what it means, everywhere that is used in the Old Testament, everywhere, mm-hmm. it is referring to the death penalty. So anybody, any Hebrew reading this would know, oh, what that's saying is if you end up killing your servant, you're to be killed. Right. What does that tell us? That actually humanizes the servant even more so that his life is equal to the life of his employer. Right. Go ahead.
0: Well, and and again, all of this is prefaced with, with Yahweh saying, remember how you were treated in Israel. That's why my law... To regulate this practice, actually compared to, and like you said earlier, even though it's, it sounds like a line, it's more than just a line to say, compared to all other ancient law codes. Yeah. Far and away. Uh, and later ones. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> sure. Far and away, uh, more respected to towards, in the tip of the balance, more towards the servant than the master, yeah. as far as in these if-then case law scenarios, who comes out? You know, right? Uh, whose dignity is maintained higher than the other? It's right. typically the servant.
1: Yeah. So now, okay, POWs and foreign servants, because it does say Scripture does say that if that you can you can procure uh, servants from the surrounding nations, and there your there's that contract language again, property forever, and you can pass them on to your kids. So what people want to say here is, okay, look, that is... So let's give you everything, Braxton, you want to say about Hebrews. That doesn't handle these foreign servants that you're allowed to... Okay, first of all, in some of those cases, it's not voluntary because they're POWs, like you say. Right. Now, as Dr. Pritchett previously said... You know, land with no standing prisons, because remember Mm. this law was written originally for a tent-based society. Right. right? With no standing prisons, how do you manage prisoners of war? Well, you know, you could do what everybody else at the time is doing: kill kill them. them. But our merciful and loving and gracious God doesn't want us to have to just kill them all the time. So what do we do? Well, you can have them as a servant, but now they're under lock and key. They're they're being not literally under lock and key, but they're being watched. And, and guess what? If they weren't a POW, and by the way, with the POW, then this corporal punishment thing of maybe they get beat with a rod or something actually becomes an issue of safety. Because imagine, here's what you need to imagine. Imagine that Israel, is, that this is all happening modern day.
0: Yeah.
1: And Israel goes into a land that is controlled by ISIS. Yeah. Okay? Puts a little different perspective on things, right. doesn't it? That's what was going on, and worse, because there was child sacrifice and stuff. So, so yeah, if you bring one of those ISIS members in.
0: Yeah, and <laughs> they sleep in your backyard, not yeah, a prison. They're not chained to anything. That's right. You know. Yeah.
1: Now, if you want to say, well, then they shouldn't have gone in there. See, this is the, goes back to the genocide and going into mm-hmm. foreign land and all that. We're doing an internal critique of Christianity. And on the internal critique of Christianity, God told them to do this as a judgment. So go back to our show from two seasons ago. Right. Okay. For the non POWs, so the POWs, we get that. You know, it's a whole lot better than modern day prison. And yeah, but it's for life. It's fine. That's what you get. Uh, For non POWs, you need to demonstrate to me it's still not a voluntary thing because it sounds like kidnapping gets you killed and it needs to be a voluntary thing. Yeah. Right. And if you and you can't own land in Israel as a non Israelite the way that Israelites can. So if you're going to be in Israel, you're going to be a servant in somebody's household right. um, a lot of the time. And and it's not a negative situation. It's just that if you contract with us to do this, this is going to be an ongoing thing. Or I. Did I, I. I yeah, I don't I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I get why people capitalize on this stuff. Yeah. But I
0: don't... I don't. Yeah, and, and again, ancient world, not modern world, ancient world. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, my, my, my son is a corrections officer uh, in Arkansas.
1: Oh, I think you mean a slave
0: owner. Uh, well, some... <laughs> well... They might feel that way, but it's, uh, <laughs> he's, a, he's
1: a corrections officer at a standing prison.
0: Yeah, which means he's just a walking target. Yeah. Um, I This is going to sound awful... But I think that prisoners are t- treated too well and that I wish that my son could defend himself in a lot harsher manner than the the law allows him to when he's attacked by 15 people. Right. You know, uh, so to me, uh, hearing his stories and seeing that kind of thing, I'm like, no, we're too civilized in some cases because <clears throat> if it's between my son or some pedophile or some mass murderer or whatever that he's having to wrangle I wish my son could literally beat the man within an inch of his life so that he doesn't even get his hair messed up yeah because I love my son and I don't give a hoot about uh, someone in prison now somebody out there prison advocate oh that sounds so awful that sounds so awful uh, no go go talk to a corrections officer yeah because it it's a tough job yeah and they are the the laws that restrain them are too strict right because they they can end up dying a lot easier than the prisoners can and they get in way more trouble than someone who's already in prison oh you get some more years tacked on well so what i was here anyway right but my son may yeah. die or may become yeah. crippled or all of this stuff because he can't beat the prisoner within an inch of his life to save his own. And so, and and yes, I'm using the extreme, but But it's a possibility. Yeah. But if you understand these kinds of contexts, even in the modern world, there's a big part of me that says, I hear the advocacy and, oh, prison is supposed to be bad. But at the same time, maybe you go too far the other way. And some of this biblical uh, stuff, which is still way more, you know, it's almost as strict as our modern laws. Because my son cannot do defend himself to the type of degree that he, you actually need to to survive. Right. And so sometimes I'm like, you know, it, it would be better to be a little bit more medieval in certain contexts. Yeah. So until you've been in that situation with those types of people, and like, like you said, the ISIS case, yeah. what kind of people are you talking about with POWs? Yeah. settle down because the world is not a safe place.
1: Yeah, and here's another thing yeah. with that with the ISIS scenario. So, you're the, the surrounding peoples of Israel were all that way, okay? So, let's just say it's not a POW, but you go and someone contracts with you to be your servant yeah. from another land. Even if they seem like a decent guy, right? You still there's a good reason why they're under watch forever. Like they're going to be your servant, and then your, and then with your children and all that, is because you couldn't trust that they were going to. Now you could. There were actually paths out of that, despite yeah. what people say. You've got to compare law with law, right? And stories of narratives and what the judges actually decided in cases and all these kind of things. You have to put it all together. But even if someone didn't seem to be a terrorist yeah. and they were in your service, they're not a POW. You still need to you still they still may need to be under watch if they're gonna be in Israel, you know, so yeah, uh, we're not going to get to the the issues of rape in the in the Old Testament. We may have to do that on another episode. I really wanted to because well this will be part one. this It'll will be, be part one yeah and and the thing one last thing that we do need to cover is well, we'll save it for next time. The last thing we'll do to bridge the gap next time is with slavery. We'll talk about the situation of a woman who is a servant in Israel because there there is there there is there are a couple of verses that make it sound like the rules are completely different for a yeah. woman and I'm going to argue that that's not entirely true there are some caveats for the protection and safety of that woman we'll get to that in the next um, in the next section
0: okay and so you want to know what God thinks of chattel slavery he destroyed Egypt over that god does not approve of it mm-hmm. okay Now, in the New Testament, you've got, well, they didn't call for uh, to end slavery. There's no statement that says, you shall no longer have slaves in the New Testament, right? Jesus never. So that's a a criticism, okay? But, again, talking about how people spoke, whatever. If you look at the household codes, like in 1 Peter or in uh, Ephesians, right, and compare that to... Uh, any other ancient household code, no, you know cease says so slaves obey your masters or whatever. All of that stuff is is under the umbrella of Christ, right right and, 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 and the family. One in five people were slaves in the Roman Empire in some places. It, it could be as high as that, you know And some of them were chattel, Some of them were teachers. Some of them were administrators of the city. I mean, slavery is a complex issue in the ancient world. And then, of course, just outright, uh, you know, manumission for all, you know, and advocating for been... abolition would, would probably have, have destabilized a lot of things. But I would argue, still, from a trajectory standpoint, that they did. In Scripture, in the New Testament, in the letter of Philemon, it is an abolitionist text. Because even in even in Ephesians, where the whole thing is bracketed, be subject to one another, wives, husbands, children, slaves, how does that shape out in these dynamics? Well, it's shaped out through love. So if you are a slave, you know, love your, um, obey your master. If you're a master, you know, love your slave, things like that. But when you look at Philemon in particular, When it is to, you are to greet your, not just a slave, but a runaway slave as your brother. Yeah. It is slavery within the Christian community, which they didn't control the empire for years, you know, centuries after. But for for the biblical text, it is impossible to sustain even civilized types of slavery um, when you're forced to to and commanded by God to view them as equal. yeah, yeah. not not just family kinship. yeah you know it's that fictive kinship thing again. Yeah. they're your, your brother, you d- treat him like a brother. It, that doesn't mean all of a sudden he's you're free, right? But what it does mean is that the trajectory is Christians came to realize that those any of those kinds of arrangements are not sustainable, you know, because you're talking about Gentile converts to Christianity. They, they, they have slaves. That, some of them are the teachers of their kids. Some of them are chattel. Some of them are whatever, you know, all kinds of different kinds of slaves. But on the whole, when you have these very generic things in these epistles of love, treat them like a brother or a sister or whatever, you realize, the Christian community has come to realize. Now, I understand some people have misused the Bible in history since. But the Christian, it's not sustainable to have at least the harsher forms of slavery that were there in the empire, along with the other kinds. Um, That form of slavery was impossible if you have to love them like a brother. So uh, what you would have in the New Testament comes back to, uh, especially with the Old Testament precedent, you come back to, okay, if I'm going to have this kind of arrangement at all, it, it, it becomes as innocuous as my employment at Trinity. At that yeah, point. I mean, I, you know. but and see, I, so, but, so that's not an objection about the New Testament. Jesus didn't, didn't yeah, end slavery. I, I mean, and all here's that. the thing. First of all, what? Okay, if
1: Jesus needed to speak out against slavery, that would negate everything we've said in this whole podcast that Israelite s- servanthood was slavery, right? Right. I don't grant that.
0: Yeah, and his ministry was to Israel. <laughs> okay. Right. So,
1: Israelite slave, servanthood was not slavery. So Jesus didn't need to speak out against Israelite servanthood. Now, today, should we go back? Someone could. Should we go back to the way that was? We have a large enough society, and not only standing prisons, but standing everything that now we simply don't need the, right. the Israelite law in those respects. Right. But but was there something intrinsically wrong with it in that time with that societal setup? I, I I fail to see. Now, if you say, well, that's horrible, you're advocating for slavery. No, I don't think this is not slavery. Now, in the New Testament. To, to piggyback on what you said, because I'm glad you brought Philemon into this, one, one thing I would say is that um, you need to understand that when it's – I'm not speaking now about the things that the, the New Testament says to slave, uh, uh, to servant or slave, because there is Roman slavery, you know, slave uh, masters. But to the slave of, of like Roman slavery, and let's say the worst kind, Okay,
0: yeah, chattel to a chattel slave. This
1: is gonna. This is where it's gonna sound. Here's where people just, I think, should be blown away with the morality of Christianity. Here, yeah. you're going to think Christians don't agree with me on this. I don't think you agree with me on this. But I've been so impacted by Jesus and so impacted by Steve Gregg's uh, teaching that I have come to the place to realize that the Christian life is. One of being, probably a lot of the time, um, abused, uh, you know, mistreated by the culture in which we live. Right. And so, I if, mean, if in someone, ca- degrees. well, if someone, here's my here's my analogy for this: if someone comes into my house and wants to hurt my family, I'm gonna do everything I can to the point of killing them to protect my family, because not only do I intuitively know that's good, but Scripture tells me that. I should take care of my family, right? I don't want to be worse than an infidel, right? I want to to take care of my family.
0: But if your family wasn't home. But if my family
1: wasn't home and someone came in and tried to steal my TV, steal, you know, stuff from my house, I mean, I don't have to answer the door, right? Mm -hmm. But if they burst in and they're doing all this, I think my response is, let me help you put that in your car.
0: Yeah.
1: Now, when I've said that to the Christians, I wouldn't go that far. That's crazy. Okay, Fine. I'm not gonna make try to make you feel bad for that, but what a powerful witness to the world that is! Yeah. What is that guy thinking? This guy that I'm robbing is helping me. I'm asking, do I need some tie downs? Do I need some help? You know, uh, yeah. I mean, I think that, that 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 you're going to be defrauded in the Christian life. Now, me losing a TV, not that big a deal. Someone being in Roman slavery, huge big deal that I can't even relate to. And I want to make it clear, I can't relate to that. But the Christian worldview is all-encompassing, and for a person like that, yeah, obey, obey your master. Be free if you can, but obey yeah. your masters. Why? Because the Christian life isn't about you getting everything you want. I know that sounds bad. Christian life, is, and it's not like we're trying to watch out for the slave owner. No, no, it's you're in a horrible situation we don't want you in that situation but if you're in that situation be a witness for Christ
0: yeah and yeah and uh, of course back to that you know like you said and in, in, be free as if you can but if right. not remain in the state that you are right. if you're a chattel slave in Rome you know and your master converts to Christianity and now has this Old Testament that was his Bible and this is this and then he's got this letter from Paul or this letter from Peter and it's like you know, this is how your mutual submission is going to be to one another. You love your brother.
1: Yeah, we're not saying for the slave owner who's a Christian, you should you should recognize this slave needs to treat you good as a witness to Christ. No, you're already a Christian. You need to let him go, right? right. Treat him as a brother. But if you're a pagan slave owner, yeah. if if you're a if you're a slave and you've got a pagan slave owner, be a witness to right. Christ because we but, can't expect but if, you're a, if
0: you're a chattel slave in Rome and your master becomes a Christian, yeah. good news for you. Yeah, that's right. And, and so. You've got good news, and you've been launched on a trajectory where at some point in the Christian walk, it's going to be, yeah, we can't do this anymore. And that's the trajectory that you see in the New Testament. So, um, sadly, in various points of human history, people have not done good exegesis and have distorted those texts and have have used the Bible to justify things that I think on sound exegetical principles could never be plausible. And the Christians who opposed those kinds of people were right to do so on exegetical grounds. So, So, all right, I know that for a lot of
1: you that sounds ridiculous, um, but uh, I'd encourage you to do this. Go to Deuteronomy chapter 15, Exodus chapter 21, and uh, maybe a couple other passages that specifically are the controversial texts about servanthood in Israel. BustoutYourStudyLight.org uh, go through what what these words mean. Take a look at the context. Try to take off the lens. Even if you think that we're ridiculous, try to look at it through, the, through our lenses just to see if it does work. You're going to find that it does work. And, and I, I'm telling you, I, yeah. I think you're going to... You may still not like it. See, now, this is the thing. There's a difference between not liking how the Bible discusses servanthood in Israel. There's a difference between not liking that and it, and you being allowed to call it slavery, right? Uh, it's it's like I don't like the idea of arranged marriages. Uh, I, frankly, I hear that they are as, as successful as, yes. but I don't like the idea of it in general. But I'm not going to say that those this cultures
0: is, are inferior, the, because, the,
1: or that these parents prostituted their kids together or something. Yeah. I'm not going to use some horrible language to describe something that's not that. I just say. It's not my cup of tea. I disagree with that. I wouldn't have wanted to be in that time. I would, okay, that's all fine. But when you get up here and, and in debates and in private conversations, you say, it's slavery and anybody who agrees with the Old Testament is agreeing with slavery and God's immoral because slavery. I, I I don't think you've looked into
0: it. Yeah. Yeah, All right, so
1: check me. out uh, Soteriology 101 and Leighton Flowers' new book on the subject. Check out uh, Steve Gregg's The Narrow Path. Check out The Bible Down um, uh, with Matt Chisholm and Billy Wendelin. And uh, we'll see you next time on
0: Trinity Radio.
1: This is The Last
0: Word. Deathbed Conversions. When people come to the end of their lives and they're being witnessed to by a pastor or a family member or a loved one after having lived their lives not being a Christian, some at the end of their life decide that they really do want to embrace the hope of the Christian faith and the resurrection. Now, this should be a cause of celebration and rejoicing, but too often it is met with skepticism, not by lost people who simply say, oh, well, they're just engaging in final wishful thinking. But actually, Christians seem to be skeptical of these things. Never mind the most famous case of the thief on the cross who had lived as a criminal and was executed right next to Jesus and then confessed Jesus right there before his death. Um, People do this all the time. In fact, motivating factors like fear are powerful in terms of moving someone along to being uh, more accepting of Jesus Christ. A lot of people have converted through fear of consequence, wrath, judgment, hell, whatever. So the idea that someone at the end of their life is converting for the same reason, fear, is not something to be skeptical of. It's important to remember that no matter how they had lived their entire life, the fact that you didn't live Quite as bad as they did doesn't mean that you actually deserve the salvation you received and lived for Jesus for however many years. Then they received, have or never lived for Jesus, and then confessed Jesus as Lord in the final moments of their life. Neither deserves salvation, but God is gracious. So instead of being skeptical of these kind of things, they are a cause to rejoice. And Christians should fill hospitals and hospices in desperate attempts to try to reach the lost for Jesus Christ. That too is our mission field. And may we have more deathbed conversions. If you would like more content, click here and keep watching Bible Studies. Click up here. And finally, we want you to subscribe. We need more subscribers. So click here.